You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for the Supercoach episode for this week. TLT Round 7 is upon us, already almost a third of the way through the season. So, pretty big week this week. We haven't spoken to Billy for a few weeks now. So, Billy is back on board. Billy, welcome back to the podcast, TLT Supercoach Round 7 this week. Yeah, mate, I'm glad we're not talking about round six. <laughs> you got me on the off week with the Eels. I was an off week with everything. I think both of us went pretty poorly. Um, I, I think I looked at your score. It was not a... Yeah, we both did. Yeah. I don't think the other rest went that great. Yeah, yeah, not too, not too great. I, I only noticed that because I beat you by 20 points in a head-to-head or something. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I was waiting there. for updates. I saw that we were up against each other. I was up against Wilfred too, and he was the same. Uh, we were all like, Rubbish. all had bad weeks and I was hoping to get some updates and stuff, but each of you beat me by not very much. Oh, mate, did you see the um, the boys posted the uh, the score of the round this week? The bloke's coming like 360th or something or other, but there's like 10 nuffies on the bench. Like, he's got a, a you know, the um, koala in the second row and a, a multitude of just things you wouldn't pick, but, mate, they're absolutely branding us. Yeah, I know. I mean, he had Ponga at fullback, which I thought was a massive head scratcher because he just hasn't done anything all year, right? So it was a, I, for this week, like it was an amazing team. Like you look at it and go, wow, every single one of those guys fired. But then you have a little bit of a nitpick as, as we do. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you see a few of those things pop up and you're like, wow. But, I mean, he's ranked really good, so he's actually had a good season. It's not even like a sniper team or anything, but it all fell into place for that team this week. Yeah, it might have even been an astute bit, maybe sort of dropping Teddy and 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 for Ponga and using you know, a bit for a bit of coin or something for Cleary and captaining that. I don't know, but um, whatever that whatever that did seem to work, mate. So plenty of ways to skin a cat, isn't it? It certainly is, and that's what we're going to talk about for sure in this podcast. So for those that are listening for the first time, this is a Supercoach podcast for the week. Hits every Wednesday after we assess TLT, recorded on a Tuesday evening. We've got the NRL Talk and Footy episodes at the end of each week, so hitting Fridays normally. Last week we got a double episode because we had to miss a week, so worked out really well. But for the TLT breakdown this week, we're going to hit TLT and obviously go through all the big decisions, all, all the market watch selections that are happening at the moment with the major ins and outs, and also sit and play, uh, who we want to look at, vice captaincy, captaincy, and generally how we think the round's going to go for Supercoach. Before we do that, we're going to have a bit of a strategy chat, though. And strategy chat, first of all, starts off with a bit of a round review. So when we're checking out the round that was, um, a, a couple of key numbers that are important to look at, we had eight tonnes, Billy. Now, eight tonnes isn't, uh, it's good, but it's certainly not the, the most that we've had. We've had 10 tonnes in a week. And certainly after those first couple of weeks, you know, I'm not going to keep saying it every podcast, but uh, the scoring's up and up even more. And I think that we've almost quietly normalised scoring pretty much, uh, not quite to 2021 levels, but pretty much to what you would expect it to be with fairly high scoring again. Uh, And one of the things that you can see with that too is that we actually had 29 80-plus scores in round six. So that's, I believe, the most that we've had. So all of a sudden you can see that those real big gun scores are coming through pretty frequently and it's giving us a lot more options than what we thought we had before. We still have that trend though of, uh, you know, a lot of, 
the tons um, or bigger scores ending up being complete pods. So top three scores this past round, all three were pods. Number three, Kalen Ponga, finally, 3.2% owned, 122 points. Miller Tarlow, 2.9% owned, 125. And Nathan Cleary's massive 151 plus, the new second highest score for Supercoach this year behind Pappenhausen's massive one. But he was only 7.4% owned, Nathan Cleary. So three very, very big uh, scores from three pods to top the scoring for round six. And even when you go past that, um, Damien Cook is under 15% owned still. Then we get a couple of higher owned players, but you know, then you have someone like Scott Sorrent to come in with one of the eight tons at 0.7% ownership. So uh, basically we're running at 50%, Billy, as far as 50% um, complete pod scores in the big scoring department and 50% of the higher owned players. It is evening out a bit more though. And we are seeing the biggest scores, which is good because I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying um, seeing rounds like round six for super coach, where there's a lot more high scoring and it's sort of a bit more normalized, makes it a bit more fun rather than a bit of a grind like the first few weeks. Yeah, it certainly does blow it out a bit. gives some more decent scores in there. The only thing is if you don't own one of those anomalies, it kind of can hurt you. So you need to try and, chase those scores but not sort of chase last week's scores and just try and hope that you know the the guys that we bought because of uh, uh runs like Cody Walker um all of a sudden pull their finger out and do what they're expected to do or you know um uh, Ilias maybe does something um and you've actually got him in your team playing as opposed to benching him and I think the difference between a 25 score and an 85 score that, that 50 40 50 60 points for blokes that you sort of choose the bar not to play can make just as much a difference as that the one percent pods and that's a good 200 point swing if you get that right and add the 50 points for a captain that that's your 250 points in a few thousand spots yeah, for sure. And I think like one of the points that kind of segues quite nicely into what we're going to talk about strategy-wise, you know, we're going to talk about um, trading at the moment and how we need to balance trading out guys who haven't peaked yet versus, you know, getting points right now because there's a lot of trades happening at the moment where we're trading out guys who have a lot more money left to make, um, guys like the Schneiders and so forth. And, you know, we're obviously a lot of teams are scrambling to get in uh, the big point-scoring players now. And we're at a point of the season now too where it's like a lot of the cash cows that people started with or got on in the first couple of weeks to rectify some mistakes to get on on the cash trains. Those guys haven't quite matured yet. They're not quite ready to cash out. But what we're finding is that they're almost there. They're maybe one or two weeks away unless they start the cash running again with a big score. And teams are obviously looking and saying, well, I don't really have anyone to trade out at the moment, like technically no one's peaked. There's no one that I need to get rid of, but I need a, a point in flux because I'm not traveling too well. So you've obviously got to balance it out a little bit with that. So it's a good segue straight into that um, when we're talking about it. So for me, Billy, I think that it really is very team dependent. Like I'm, I'm one who in the past have traded out guys early, but I think that you really need to do the maths on it and really look at it as far as how much it's going to hurt you. And that's probably the first thing that I do, right? Like if I if somebody's going to still make what I think is another hundred thousand plus, I'm going to be a lot more hesitant to to trade them out. Whereas if the cost of me going early is going to be forty or fifty grand, but I'm going to up my points significantly by either freeing up money or going a straight swap to somebody who's outscoring them, then that becomes a much more easier proposition. So that's probably the first thing that I look at. Uh, the second thing that I also look at is is my individual team. So I'm going to give you two examples. You know, you might look at your, I always say set your team first before you do your trades. You know, what is your team going to look like 
for this round before you actually implement any of your traded uh, any of your trades because that gives you a good indication of where you may be short or how you're going to score. Now, there's going to be Team A who looks really good as their 17. And if you look really good as your 17, um, that might be a, a case in point where you go, you know what, I've already got a really good 17 on the park. I don't really need to push the envelope by trading out a couple of money makers to get the points in right now. Uh, maybe the gun that you're going to trade in at the moment uh, is going to is going to have a high break even anyway. And you can go, look, I can probably wait because I think that I'm pretty confident in the 17 that I've got. Then you've got team B, where if you put that team together, you're going to say, all right, well, I'm going to have to play a Max King um, off the Bulldogs bench. I'm, I'm going to have to probably play Chad Randall as well. Uh, so I'm going to have a weak couple of plays at the end of my 17. And all of a sudden, that's a, that's the sort of team where you go, you know what, I probably need to sacrifice somewhere because I'm going to fall way too far behind and I need to pick up points now as of this week or I'm going to fall further behind because you're not confident in your point scoring that week. Then the second thing that I do with each of those teams, Billy, is I do the trades and then have a look at what your 17 is uh, because that can change things yet again. And what I mean is like team A might have been really strong with their 17 that was going to be on the park this week. But one of the examples that we're seeing at the moment, which we'll talk about a bit later, is everyone grabbing Nathan Cleary. And the cost of getting Nathan Cleary for some teams is that maybe you go and get him in, but you weaken, you know, your, your overall 17. So all of a sudden you might have had a solid 17. Um, and now that you've got Nathan Cleary in, really you've got a solid 15. And the last two guys that you're going to play are really not going to be fantastic. Um, and that becomes a bit of a decision then. So I, I think those, as far as the process goes for me, Billy, like that's a couple of the things that I kind of do to, to assess whether I can let guys go early uh, or whether maybe I should be holding on a little bit longer. Yeah, I do exactly the same thing. So basically, pick, pick your 17 for this week. Um, which one of those guys do you actually want to cull um, to, to get more points? Versus, uh, you know, who's bottomed out that you can trade and that's actually going, out, actually going to go on a run versus who's got that huge negative breaking that you want to swap in or swap out? Uh, case in point, um, you just mentioned who do you actually want to get rid of early and sacrifice a little bit of a cash rise in order to get some points. Um, I did that a couple of weeks ago and it didn't work out. I got rid of uh, Schneider in order to get in Cody Walker thinking, look, Cody's dropped 100 grand. He's about to play the Dogs and Dragons, Warriors and Tigers go on a massive run, you end up scoring 10 and then 44. So I basically sold the guys, made another 100 grand, scored 76 versus the Storm and I think 50 last week for 125 points and made 100 grand for a bloke that's actually lost another 100 grand and scored me 54 points. You, you do that last year and it's maybe the other way around. It's actually worked out and you've got a VC Cody 400 points. But pot luck with a draw, you could do that exact same thing this week and come out the exact same way that we we thought it might work. So pros and cons, you can do that sort of uh, points and cash sacrifice option run, or you can opt to sort of stick to your guns and uh, uh, case in point, uh, Ilias this week, he's got the Tigers. Yeah, he hasn't maybe sort of done much the last couple of weeks. He's had a soft run, hasn't done anything, but maybe switching to the left side this week, all of a sudden he produces the same as Cleary and you're saving eight on the ground, who knows? So it's a personal choice, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like sometimes the harder thing to do is just to wait on a guy, you know, and we're going to talk about guys like Nathan Cleary later, but you know, Cleary's got close to a 90 break even. So whilst uh, I understand everybody scrambling to get him in, you know, the reality is he may be the same or a very similar price next week anyway. So 
if you do have a strong 17, then maybe, you know, it's, it's going to be better to wait because the cash generation that you're going to get from, say, trading out two cashies that maybe have a single-digit break-even, which is what a lot of people are doing at the moment, um, you know, you're going to make more money out of it and still stick reasonably solid on points if you do have a strong 17 and just do that trade next week or set yourself up for it next week. Uh, and the other thing with the setup, and this is another point, Billy, if it's a case of you know that you want to trade someone else but you can't this week for whatever reason, whether they've got a negative break even um, or they've just got a really good matchup that you want to play them for or whatever, but you know like you're not going to play them next week and next week's the cold week, then that's another point where you can just sort of say, well, I can actually look at the other break even and actually see where it's going to be at have a look at the points and kind of marry it up and say, you know what, it's actually better for me to wait um, a week next week. And the last point that I'll make on it as well, which I've just done myself actually, is if you've got guys that you're not playing in your 17, like when you pick your best 17, or you've got guys that say from next week, you know that you're not going to play for a couple of weeks, then that probably makes it an easy decision for you too. So, you know, for instance, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about someone like Targo. But at the moment, I I'm potentially wasn't going to put Targo in my 17 uh, with the moves that I was going to make. And if I'm not going to do that and he's going to be on the bench and he's got a BE of 65, then all of a sudden I can sort of say to myself, well, I'm not going to play this guy for three weeks. Then maybe I need to just, just cull him. And that's, that's just an example saying Targo. I'm not saying I'm definitely going to do that, but just, you know, to put up an example there of someone who's technically peaked in price. So certainly if, you, if you're not going to play someone, and, you know, these questions come up on some of the Facebook pages too, where, you know, you get some... I'm not going to say funny ones because I'm not hassling anyone, but just some strange ones where someone will say, you know, should I, who should I bench out of these three players? And it'll be like Tedesco, Yao, and um, Aitken or something like that. And you're just like, well, you know, if you're going to bench those type of guys, just go and sell them because it's not worth having those guys on your pine for a week or two because there's just too much money. You know, if you're not going to use those guys and you're not confident in them, then those are the guys that you probably should be selling. You don't save those guys to rotate in once a month or whatever. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, not sure who they'd be starting over those guys. Probably not sure if those are actually genuine posts, but... <laughs> Strong um, yeah, teams. With you. If you're going to have those guys, then you can... <laughs> yeah, if you're going to have those guys, those, those guys on the bench, get rid of them. Um, I'm actually contemplating getting rid of one of them this week for cash, but we'll, uh, we'll talk about that when we get to your your boys. Yes, we certainly will. Well, probably the last point on the strategy stuff. Um, I'm interested in your take on this. So, buy planning. Um, we're going to do a proper buy planning podcast in the next in the next fortnight. So yeah. we'll do a proper one. But um, coming up to round seven, I'm actually starting to look at buy planning a lot more as of this week. Uh, and the reason that I say that is because we don't have you know the big Super trade round. I've already seen on some of the groups, like there was a, a question on Supercoach Central today on, you know, put your hand up if you've used all your trade boosts now. And like multiple people were like, yep, I've used them all. <laughs> so look, if you, people are burning through their trade boosts. And if you're burning through your trade boosts, like one of the reasons they're there is to compensate for the back, fact that, you know, you're not going to, it's going to be harder to affect those buyers right before. Um, the actual buy round, you're going to need to kind of build up to it for a couple of weeks and maybe do three trades uh, around 11, three trades around 12 to kind of build up to that buy. So it, it does make some sense to start thinking about it now, I think. I'm certainly doing it when I'm looking at players at the moment, guys that are playing this week with good matchups that have a reasonable price tag that do play that buy. Uh, I'm looking at them and I'm putting them aside to target a little bit. But the other thing with that buy as well, Billy, is it's kind of a difficult one because I, 
I don't think there's phenomenal options. So it's not like one of those other buy rounds where, you know, in prior years, you had a plethora of guys that were going 60 plus and you could kind of say, oh, well, you know, if I miss out on this guy at, a, at an opportune time to buy and say around seven, eight, nine, ten, I'll, I'll just buy these other guys right before that buy. You know, I've gone through it. There's only like nine or 10 viable 60 plus options. And really there's probably less than that. Um, that you really want to look at for the buy. So I don't think you've got as many choices with this first big buy as what maybe you do with others. And that sort of makes me look at it a bit more now too, because I think you you probably want to be a little bit more targeted on when you're buying some of these guys, because the reality is you're not going to be able to do it all, um, you know, a couple of weeks beforehand. So buy planning, Billy, are you looking at it at all at the moment? Um, you know, assuming that you are actually going to buy plan pretty hard for the first buy round? Surprisingly, no, not as much as previous years. Um, if you look at prior years, uh, a lot of my strategy was, you know, like a lot of other players, mate, find a way to, uh, to start the season. We've got 50-50 on a couple of guys. Uh, go with the guy that, you know, is going to play that first buy and you sort of stack your team with eight sort of guys that are guns that are generally sort of going to be around for sort of buys and then build up to the point where you've got like, you know, your Tom Lovers in the front row. But, if you look at the um, the teams actually playing the um, the round thirteen by this year, it's almost like they've reversed what it used to be. Like we always used to have um, uh, three by rounds, and we'd have sort of uh, South play the first two, and the Eels would play the first two, or something or other. And he, there was always some good quality from those guys in regards to like you know some Madison who wouldn't make Origin and play eighty on the edge, or like Papali now, or Gutho or Gutho um, and the Rabbits. You always had you know sort of the um, the, the Cody Walker, maybe Adam Reynolds, you'd have Sam Burgess, uh, th- those sorts of guys that you could sort of stack in your team and sort of know that you're going to keep them for the, for the whole year. Now, all those guys that used to play that round 13 by are basically in the second round and you've got the teams like, you know, sort of Manly and Titans and Storm and teams that just don't really have anything that you really want to end up with in your team. And if you end up sort of by planning too hard, then all of a sudden you got half a dozen blokes that you're going to have to play for around 14 and 15 and 16. And if you end up sort of just keeping keeping the guns that they're going to play Origin, every week that you don't have them back is like 10 points, 10 points, 10 points. It's going to offset the guy that you've actually got in your team to buy plan. So to answer your question, I'm not buy planning as hard as I used to because I feel as though I can, I'm happy just to have eight or nine blokes and then just keep going strong at both sides. Yep, that's fair enough. I mean... When I say that I'm like looking at it, I'm only looking at like real guns, like I was mentioning 60 plus sort of thing. Um, I think those guys are viable to really start planning around now because I don't think there's too many of them. Um, but certainly the other thing that does open up as well is like if you're going to trade a guy like Schneider out at the moment, um, he does play round 13 and he's actually been scoring quite well. So he is someone who can very much kickstart his money making again can be very playable as well with um, the Raiders run opening up a little bit more in the future. And then he's going to play that round 13. So I think you want to be, uh, you know, I don't want people to take this the wrong way where it's going to be like Barnsley said, Oka Schneider's playing round 13, you should hold him. I'm not saying that, but I'll always say that you need to look at every single angle and every part of the story. You know, the story doesn't just have one narrative, it's got several. You've always got to look at all of it. And one of the narratives with Schneider is, hey, look at it before you trade him. Does he play round 13? Yes, he does. How's that going to look? Are you going to get to round 13 and have the shits with yourself because you're trading him out? You know, and, and that's potential. Yeah. But ask yourself the question. If, if you're going to say, no, I'm not, and it's going to be fine, and you project it out with the points, you project it out with the money, and you think it's all gravy, go for it. 
But, you know, just ask yourself that question because some people might actually decide, you know what, I'm probably going to want him in round 13. So maybe it's better I look elsewhere on these other guys that I could trade instead. Yeah, and similarly, um, I've already traded him out, but he's actually playing well enough with kicking goals um, that, as an example, if, say, for example, I still have um, you know, to, uh, to work it to my team and he was you know, um, 100% healthy and he was priced, you know, sort of, you know, uh, one million, let, let's say, and had a break even as the two, uh, you know, sort of two hundred or two hundred and twenty, and Schneider went on, went on a you know a, a game of eighty or ninety and had a break even as you know sort of minus twenty with you know tigers and titans and dogs or something for three rounds. I'd even be inclined just to trade a bloke like that back in, knowing that he's goal kicking, a lot of Origin stars are out. He may score a a a or 70, 70, 70, and worst case scenario, I've got a head, um, you know, sort of you know make you know. 200k on the on the on the turbo swing swing with it when, when his price drops and maybe a 100 150k swing on Schneider when he when he increases in value and the, the net gain there ends up being sort of 300 350 um, and a few points in order for you to swap back to the guy that you traded out. So um, people say you never trade a keeper, but that's absolute garbage if you've got you know 500 of them and you can just um, burn a couple quickly to you know make 350 grand, get some points, and get your keeper back. Yeah, the never trade trade a keeper just sort of doesn't quite give full context to that term either. So it's always sort of slightly misunderstood, I think, for me, for for my definition of it anyway. But we digress. Look, that's a bit of a strategy talk for 15 to start the podcast out. Um, Buy planning, we've mentioned. There's going to be a lot more buy planning talk in a couple of weeks' time, so stay tuned for that. Let's go on for TLT round seven now. Uh, the first game of the round is going to be the Sharks and Manly. Cronulla, to start off with, Dale Finucane, and Braden Hamlin Ueli are out. That's really big for them in the middle. Um, does mean that McInnes gets another job at lock. Um, played 80 minutes last week, but wasn't hugely impressive. Um, and Aiden Tolman's even starting at prop because of those changes, and Hunt is coming onto the bench. So certainly their middle is pretty decimated. Um, they do have Nakora coming back, which is going to help, and Katoa back as well. So on the Seagull side of things, obviously cooler. Is the big out. Uh, now, I will say that with Cooler, there is some speculation that it was uh, due to concussion protocols. So I wouldn't panic quite too much yet. We'll wait and see how that actually plays out. Uh, the future immortal super coach player, Bullimore, is back. So if you've held him, you better be trading him out quick smart because he's back on the bench and he's going to play. But the other thing that's not really mentioned in a lot of the super coach roundups is Nico Hines. Actually had a bit of a complaint last week and is needing to is battling fitness slightly. So the you know Wacko's whispers, I believe, said that there's a chance that he may be ruled out as well. So it's something just to keep an eye on with that. But Sharks and Seagulls, it's a better Thursday night matchup than what we've had before. But it is a short turnaround because of obviously how the Easter weekend plans out and everything of the footy starting again, which is something to factor in. When we're looking at market watch for these teams, Billy, they're Manly and Sharks. Nobody's being traded out of these sides at the moment, but. Talakai, fifth most traded in player now for this week. Interesting because, you know, already just in the last week made $88,000, which is massive. He's already made $280,000 on his starting price. He's got 114 points last week. Now, he's in 21% of teams. Uh, A lot more teams are trading him and now is the fifth most traded in player, but he's almost $600,000. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Talakai on the podcast and it was like, look, it could work out great because he's a great player, but it could just be a two-week cash grab. You know, it's not a bad thing. Just be aware that if Tracy comes back, he might take the spot back. 
there was a lot of you know, question marks. Obviously, you know, it's worked out phenomenally and he's now gone, you know, 114 points versus Melbourne after a slightly disappointing 59 against the Tigers. I guess the question for you, Billy, is it's almost $600,000 with a small break even. Do you think that it's worth going on now or do you think that you've just missed too many rises at that price tag for it to be worth doing at this point? I'd get him in. Um, reason is I feel that after the last couple of weeks, um, in particularly the, um, the, the the two games, where the first one where he was basically made, made, made you know, sort of 15, 20 sort of tackle bus and you look at you look at how well he played uh, last week with uh, the, um, the catch and pass, breaking a line. Uh, hitting hard, I think he just makes a massive difference on that left edge, and I think he's kind of played himself into that sort of role for now. So, I would, I would put him in the Isaiah Papali sort of bracket from last year. You know, there's the, the people buying him now. I don't think they're the ones that kind of missed the boat. I think they're the ones that might have just been all sort of cautious, going, you know what? Um, when the Sharks are back to full strength, he's going to lose his spot, so I'm not going to risk it for a couple of weeks. And they've probably just seen how he's performing and gone, you know what? Probably time I bite the bullet and just you know, try to keep up with the Joneses because I, I, based off performance, I think he's going to keep the spot. So that's the reason why I think they're getting him now. And I think if we don't get him this week, then it's going to be a case of okay, well, yeah, missed out. Just target clearly. He's going to potentially stop making money in the next two weeks. Uh, so I think that that's something you need to put in your thought process if you're trading him in that heavily. I think that you're trading him in at the moment, thinking he's going to keep his job. And if you believe that he's going to keep his job, then it's a fine trading. Um, the other layer that I'll add to it for this week's trading is that he's now been named to start at centre for three weeks. Um, so what that means is round 12, there's going to be changes to the duels. And I would be very surprised when he's going to play at least a month or even more of centre being named at centre at TLT. He should, want, he should pretty much 100% get the round 12 duel. Uh, and round 13 um, is obviously when the buyers start and everything, but he's he's going to be someone who you can then just shift. So certainly Cronulla aren't playing that round 13 buy, but it's going to be handy to be able to swap him around um, and put him in your centre wing going forward as a keeper if he stays there, but also just to navigate your, your round 12 numbers with, to move him around with other jewels to sort of get your starting 13 on there and everything. So that's a, that's just another layer with him. But I think that if you're buying him now, you're not buying him for the cash. You're buying him for, because you believe he's going to stay there and he's going to be a maybe a centre wing keeper for the run home. Yeah, that's our thing too. So if you're led to the party and you're still contemplating whether to get him, worst case scenario, if, even if he does go back to the bench, he's going to get that dual capability and you're going to have basically uh, an absolute beast of forward games the 50 minutes off the bench. He's giving you 50 points in, in base and a few TBs. Mm, and for this matchup with Manly, Manly... Continue to have some some weak edge defence at times. He could absolutely steamroll Manly on that edge. Uh, and then the weeks after, he's got the Broncos, the Warriors, the Raiders, the Titans. So the Sharks are about to hit a pretty plum draw for the next five weeks. And even though Manly's a good side, um, it, it's a really good matchup to play um, Sifa Talakai. So Talakai could be a really good player this week when you trade him in, or if you own him, you know he's a fantastic trade. Uh, he's a fantastic play. He should score really well. I reckon he's a seventy-five plus again. He actually hasn't scored below 55 points since round one, um, where he scored 23 to open the season, but he only played 21 minutes. So even when he was on the bench, like round two, he still scored 55 points. Uh, Round three, he got to play in the back row. 
So that's his versatility as well. If they have someone down in the back row or the outside backs, he's probably going to get a run. So I, I've actually come around quite a bit the last couple of weeks because of how well he's played um, and also yeah. um, the fact that he's now almost definitely going to get dual. Uh, I see him as a much better buy than what I did before, just certainly not as a, as a money maker because I think that's going to stop pretty quick. So when we're looking at BEs, um, Militalo is the guy in this one with the lowest break even that's been named to start. He's kind of snuck through. Uh, so he's actually made some good money, Billy. Like, uh, we, we kind of mention him every now and then, but it's more Katoa that we mentioned. But now Militalo's made 187k on his starting price. 110,000 is his last week after scoring 125 points. Now, that's obviously going to stick in his rolling average. So he's got a minus nine BE. And look, 630,000, you, you, you surely could not buy him. But I already mentioned for Talakai that run the Sharks have. And Manly, Broncos, Warriors, Raiders, Titans. That's a golden run for Militalo. It's I'm not going to say it's a hard one. Like I, I couldn't possibly buy Ronaldo Militalo at his current price. If you got on him, good on you, and you'd keep holding while he keeps making money because he could get to like 750, 800 grand. But he's one of those ones where I sort of look at it, Billy, and go, you know, there's no way I'm going to buy him for 630K. But I could see him averaging 75 points over the next five weeks and making a ton of cash, you know. So it's it's one of those luxury trades where if you want to throw one at the stumps, I actually could see it coming off, but can't do it at that price. Yeah, I think the the, the way the way Hines is, has injected himself into that team and the fact that um, Talakai has absolutely barnstormed down that edge Possibly brings the defender in a little bit sort of well as well. Gives him a bit more room when Talakai just chucks it out out that back or, or Kennedy sweeps. So I think that's really sort of added some value to him as well. On top of the fact that, you know, those big sort of um, blokes on the wing, they've got some serious tackle busting ability as well. So it's just adding, adding an extra dimension to their game that was already pretty good. And you, you, you add some good forward momentum and a good half a good half in the team. It's just going to make those outside backs really sort of shine. Yep. Ola Kawatu from the Manly side um, is another one of interest in this one. Now, a few people were, were actually training Ola Kawatu out, um, and the last few games he's really come good. So he now just made 46000 this last week, 57000 on his opening price. So he's just under 570000 which is still a decent price point. And he is someone who I've looked at heavily because he's still only in 6% of teams because a lot of people trade him out after the first few weeks. And he is someone that does play that round 13 buy and he's going to be a premium option. So all of a sudden, big Ola, 92 points on the weekend, 83 before that and 56 before that for a phenomenal 77 three-round average. He scored at least one try in all those, a double for his 92 last week. But one of the things that I was worried about with him um, was his base. And the last two weeks, he's gone 44 and 50 in raw base. Uh, and he's also upped his tackle breaks as well. So I, I'm a lot more comfortable with him now. And like, I wanted to actually have a look at him a few weeks ago, uh, but I just didn't get around to it. And there's been other priorities. If you own all the Kawatu and you held on, you've done really well. I, I said to so many people the last two weeks, Billy, keep holding on. If this shark side is under strength, he could do well again this week. But I actually think that he's quite a good buy at the moment because he's going to keep getting more expensive and I wouldn't want to buy him in the 600s. 570k, I think he's a real possibility with a decent draw coming up. And um, after this Sharks game, a bit harder against South, but then hitting the edge of the Tigers and the Broncos, setting you up for that buy round. I, I really like him at the moment. He's been barnstorming and he's been looking really good at the clutch attack. He's one of those guys that um, some of the teams at the top have done really well with. Um, they have a combination of him, you know, so Tomalolo, Tuolagi, um, 
uh, what do you call it, Aitken, some guys that are really around that sort of uh, mid-range, it's really allowed them to, you know, by avoiding avoiding guys like sort of Fafida and spending money on sort of Hassel Arrow in the front row, they've really used that sort of extra eight, nine hundred k just to buy some serious uh, mid-strength pods in, in the sort of backs and even a forward clear this week. So it seems to be working for the guys at the top. So um, I'm not sure that the best strategy is to try and match them by getting guys that don't have you know, as good a base as the other guys. But the mere fact that these half-decent prices in form, he is scoring tries and he does play that sort of first buy. <laughs> not, not, not the worst buy. I'm not sure I'd want to be spending that sort of money for him, but certainly in the, in the, in the sweet spot. Vice captain caps the options for this one. There's obviously Nico Hines, who I now see is on everything named Nicholas Hines. So maybe we should start saying Nicholas. But um, Hines in this one, first game of the round, is an obvious VC option, right? He can go big. Manly can give up a lot of points as well. But how bad are the Sharks going to be for this matchup? Quick turnaround, few injuries in it, and also coming off a pretty bruising game against the Storm last round. You know, is... Is Hines going to be a bit lame? Is he going to come out a bit slow? Or is he a genuine VC option still? I tend to think that he is because he's that guy that's just got the big ceiling and first came up makes it really easy as a loop. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, I was tempted to sort of lay him as the VC option purely because of that sort of short turnaround. Um, I don't, don't like going sort of t- um, too early, although he, he did sort of produce the goods, I think, you know, was it week two or week three or something rather when he had that, 114 or 124 and, and a few people start to see straight on him in the wet but I think that was you know, round sort of two and they probably weren't as it wasn't much of a short sort of turnaround so um, I think he's the obvious VC I might go a little bit sort of different but struggling to find someone I'm not sure Cody's going to step up but uh, in light of Cody not stepping up he'd be my choice though yeah three out of Nico's six games now he's scored a ton so pretty good VC option when we're looking at the top spot bet of the week for this one, uh, the Sharks are just under $1.50, $1.48. I don't want to stuff around with it. Um, I'm just going to take the money line on that one, but I am a bit wary of this game, so maybe wait and see on some extra info that Nico Hines is actually going to play. Um, he should play, but if he's out, I'm going to swing over to Manly and try and grab them for value. So, yeah, that's right. Barnsley's saying he's going to take the Sharks, but I might actually change my mind. So don't put your money on until you get a bit more information on top sport, but they've got some... Some really good odds at the moment for this game. It's pretty juicy on topsport.com.au. Yeah, one thing to just be wary of, um, I think we're starting to approach that that point in time now where your bench has kind of been cleared of a couple of sort of uh, lower ranks of the guys. Um, although, um, so those that still have Bullimore might, might need to contend with a, a possible sort of 15 or 20 score if, if, if you're going to loop. Uh, for those that don't have sort of Bullimore and have, you know, sort of Tuolagi, Cobo and, you know, Randall on, on, on their bench, maybe maybe a, a King-type player, it's probably a little bit easier for you to loop because you're likely to get, you know, a 45-50. But given that Cobo is playing, uh, uh, who's he got this week? Is it dog, uh, Dogs this week? Yep, next game. Okay, yeah, anyway, yeah. Yeah, Cobo's got a uh, if, if Stags wants to pass in the ball. So, depending on who your AE is likely to be, um, you need to start thinking a lot more carefully about who your VC is going to be because your floor is going to be possibly a lot higher and it's going to be a lot easier to take a loop of Hines. But if you still have a guy like the Bullimore, other people can uh, loop Hines and um, 115, 120 and still get a, 50, a, 50, uh, a score of 50 off, off the AE. So, 
Just be very careful who you live with, what your AE is going to be versus other people in the tournament. Broncos, Bulldogs, you mentioned. That's the next game up. So the Broncos, uh, with news injury for eight weeks, we get Team Marine Martin making a, a long return after a few years out, which is great. Um, Turbin's been dropped outright with Corey Pax, the starting hooker, but Billy Walters will move from 5'8 to utility, so he's going to take some Pax minutes. So that's going to be a bit of a watch there. Um, Haas being back is the big one for Supercoach. He should score very well this game. I'm looking forward to having him back. I think that he could even get some clutch attack this game against the Dogs. I reckon he's going to be ambling to get back on the field. On the dog side of things, there isn't really anything that's going to be uh, of note for Supercoach. So let's move straight to Market Watch. Trade-ins and outs, Billy. Outs, nobody but ins. All of a sudden, Stags within two weeks, has been one of the most traded-out players to one of the most traded-in. He's now got back-to-back tons. He's now five hundred over 500K. So, you know, he's basically 120K more than what he was two weeks ago. Uh, he's gone 108 and 102 points the last two weeks. He's only scored one try in each of those tons as well, which is important to note. In 108-point game, he had 35 raw base. In the 102, he had 31 raw base. His raw base is still um, average, uh, but he's, you know, only scoring one try there, but he's getting a heap of tackle breaks. Crazy amount of tackle breaks in those games. And he's also getting assists as well, which he had on the weekend. So because of that, he's now got those back-to-back tons. And the three games before that, he had three games in the 30s. So everyone thought, Billy, the last two weeks, it was a good time to sell because he's playing the Roosters and the Penrith Panthers. Put tons on both. Now everyone thinks it's a great time to buy because he's got a minus 50-odd break even. So he's going to make cash. Still going to cost you over 500K to purchase, but he's got the Bulldogs. Is he going to do the reverse on us this week or is he just going to continue the form? Well, I can't see how he doesn't rip apart the Bulldogs with how he's been playing. Yeah, I know. It's giving me the spirits. I looked at his break-even and his scores the last couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to buy him. This I need to buy for feedback. I made a mistake of selling him to Tedesco. Then I start looking at um, you know, sort of um, young stags thinking even if he doesn't score that well, he's going to score 40 points. He's still going to make 100 grand. So... Do you go to cash and a potential 100 points or do you go to staple? I really don't know what to do here, mate. But um, it's bad luck owning Clubber and having stags, not pasturing. As soon as I buy stags, I'll be wanting to hold the ball. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's one of those things where I, I don't think there's, there's a straight answer. Like, you can definitely buy him this week. You can definitely let him pass. Look, the reality of letting him pass is, you know, at the moment he's got a massive negative break even, right? But he's got 108 and 102 in his rolling average. That 108 drops after this week. So if he scores a 45 against the Dogs, um, he's got 102 and a 45. All of a sudden, that break even comes straight back to earth. You know, he will make a, a huge amount this week. You know, he still might make, you know, 60, 70K on a low score. Um, but all of a sudden, he's, he might only make another 20K the next week. He's got the Sharks, really good defense, best in the league. And then he's got Souths and Manly. So... Even though this week looks really good, you know, the few weeks after that don't look phenomenal when he doesn't play that first buy either. So, you know, that's the the not buying stags spin. Um, the narrative for buying him this week is that he could very well put up a ton against the Bulldogs very easily. And if he does that, you know, the 108 drops out of his rolling average, but he's still got back-to-back tons in there. And he's coming up with another big negative break even. And he's guaranteed a sort of 150 to 200K. And then, you know, if, even if you ended up, even if you said, you know what, I'll play him against the Sharks and he goes shithouse because they've got great defence. Even if you went, you know what, I've had him for two weeks, I'm going to punt him. 
it's, it's going to be worth it because you're still going to make like 150k plus and you're going to get good points a ton against the dogs potentially if you if you go by that way and you think that's what's going to happen so you know there's arguments for both billy i think i don't think there's a definitive right or wrong answer here yeah, the other thing is he's owned by some 20% of teams and likely, I haven't seen um, Drusian numbers yet, but I'd, I'd like to think he's probably owned by a very high percentage of people in the sort of top 100, 200, 500. So it's a matter of possibly just keeping up with the Joneses. Um, if he scores 130 this week, then you're further behind. If he doesn't, then you make cash and you're still with the leaders and you use that cash um, in, in a couple of weeks. So... Yeah, I, I'm leaning towards buying him uh, reluctantly, but sometimes you've just got to you just got to negate potentially losing points as opposed to gaining. Mm, it, it, it should also be noted that it's a really good matchup week for center wings this week. Uh, I think a lot of center wings have really good matchups, a lot of popular ones too. So that's another thing as well. You know, you don't really need a center wing. You probably get good points from some of the center wings that you already have. I know that my top four center wing looked pretty good for this week. If that's the case, you know, you can kind of negate his good scoring week and make money elsewhere or make moves that you need to make. So I'm not going to get stags. I would never talk anyone out of doing it because he could have a phenomenal week this week and he's definitely going to make cash the next couple. Um, just just know that you might be looking ahead and he might end up going those three 30s in a row again in a few weeks' time and you just need to not be surprised with that, I guess. But third most traded in, mate, he's, he's getting in a lot of teams at the moment. He's probably going to be 25 30% owned by the time the round starts. Um, with the sit and plays on this one, you know, I was wondering whether Cobo was going to get that fullback spot. Kevy has resisted a couple of times with Cobo and giving it to him, including the start of the season. Doesn't have it again. I know people have said that he's looked a lot better, but he still only scored 44 and 49 the last couple of weeks with a 20 and 27 base. It's not great, but it is better than what he was going. He's still only averaging 33 for the season so far in six games. And against the Bulldogs, um, I would be playing him if I owned him. I'd actually, I'd not sell him. Um, he's only got... You know, he's got a lowish break even anyway, so I don't think anyone would want to sell him, but I'd certainly be playing him. I wouldn't bench him this week. Yeah, I made that same call two weeks ago when I was, um, I think, when, I can't remember if I was on the podcast with you or whether it was just a comment I was uh, making back and forth with some of the other podcasters. But um, um, when he played the Warriors, the previous three scores for the, for the right wingers were 118, 109, and 44 or something, I think it was, and it was no who recently came out and scored, you know, 100 versus the Eels. So um, to say that, you know, oh, he's playing the dogs and he's playing on the right wing, he's sure to come up for a big one. I thought that two weeks ago, but are the dogs a weaker team? Are they stronger? Is Stag going to pass it? Yeah, I don't know. Like, if I earned him and I needed to, I'd play him this week, but I certainly wouldn't be uh, saying he's a must this week because who knows what the right edge can do. Yeah, he's not a must, but I would play him if I earned him. Um on the VC and C options for this one. There's not a huge amount in this game as far as super coach options, but one that's there, if you do VC Hines and you want to hit on a, uh, I guess, a solid VC option, uh, C option afterwards, I do think that, that Haas is a, is a decent one. Like I can see him going 90 plus this week against the Dogs. I think he's going to get the offloads away. And uh, like I said, I think he might even hit a bit of clutch. So I'm, I'm going to bank on, on a Haas at least an 80 plus, but I reckon he could go 90 plus. So I, I think that if you if you don't get the Heinz VC right for a loop, then maybe just getting the solid one from the uh, the Haas against the Dogs pack coming off a week off fresh it isn't the worst one and not one that I've seen mentioned too much. Honestly, I think the real option in this game is probably a VC on Stags. 
I much prefer the captaincy option for teams later in the round. But if you've got a guy like Stays, who, who um, I think if you go back, I think three weeks ago, had like 28 points in tackle bus and obviously scored uh, a ton and a ton. And his time last week was with one try, one try, one try assist. If he's doing that versus some, some higher quality teams, imagine what he can do against the dogs with sort of 28 points in tackle bus. I'd be inclined to say he's probably the smoking for, for a, a loopy loop. Yeah, it's a it's a good point because he's gone a hundred plus the last two weeks with only the one try. So if he can get a double, uh, he might he might go that one twenty one twenty five area, and then all of a sudden you've got a loopable one. So certainly for VC, it's a pretty good call. Uh, look, before we move on to the next game, I need to mention the fantastic sponsor of the NRL All Stars podcast, and that is Top Sport. Topsport.com.au. You can go to or you can download the app. And Top Sport is a hundred percent Australian owned bookie, so you always get service from within Australia, and it's always number one service too. And they've often got the best odds in market. So certainly this week in the NRL, they've got some fantastic odds up there. But if you like your racing, they've got great racing odds. And certainly all the other sports have got them as well with some really good markets, including not just uh, player markets for betting on stats in the NBA or um, the NHL and everything else. But they've also got it for NRL where you can basically put fantasy betting on, although with different statistics and super coach, still pretty similar in the thought process. So if you think you're good at super coach and you like to have a punt, jump on there and have a look at the play performance markets and see if you can hit some overs or unders on the uh, the play performance points. Topsport.com.au. Get on it. Gamble responsibly. But if you want to start an account there and give it a go, go for it and use the promo code SC Allstars so they know that you're a listener of this podcast and they'll take great care of you. Billy, the next game is the Cowboys versus the Titans. For the Cowboys side of things, uh, we've basically got the same 17 as last week. For the Titans side, there's no changes either. So straight to market watch for this one. And most traded out, Fermore and Dearden, uh, fourth most traded out and ninth most traded out. Um, I don't I don't think there's much discussion there. I think both are really fine trade outs. Um, Fermore was the flavour of the week um, pre-season. He's had some good games during the season, but he's also had some duds as well where he hasn't scored. He's peaked. He's made over 100K. Um, he's a fine casualty where you can choose to, to get rid of him. So... Let's look at the market watch Inzo. Now, one of the big ones at the moment, eighth most traded in, is Fafita. And I, I dare say he's only the eighth most traded in because he's already owned by like 25% of super coaches. Fafita uh, had another ton on the weekend. And I dare say it's the best that he's looked. Um, statistically, ended up with 120 points, which is obviously a season high, coming off 107 points in round five. Um, scored a try back-to-back weeks now after going the first month of the season with no tries. And now he's 730K with a low break even, which means if you don't get on him soon, you're not going to own him. Um, Billy, I've looked at getting him back hard. I regret selling him for the money because now he has come good sooner than what I was hoping. Just looking at his stats on the weekend, he ended up with one try, one line break, one try assist, one line break assist for his clutch attack. And for his base attack, four tackle breaks, which is actually pretty low for him, but five offloads. So it is a game where he put everything together. It was all there to see. Um, and I've been pretty pleased as well that after the first two weeks, his base has actually been up and actually better than what it was historically. So for the first two weeks, he had a 34 and 30 base. Wasn't getting involved enough. Um, we've spoken about a lot. Ever since that, from round three onwards, he's now gone a month of 40-plus base, where he's gone between 43 and 48 in base. Last two weeks at 48 and 45. That's phenomenal base for Fafita. If he keeps that up, 
he, he's going to be a really good super coach option again um, straight away. And he's playing the North Queensland Cowboys this week. So it's very scary. Um, I actually looked and said, you know what, I'm going to get him in instead of Nathan Cleary this week. But then I looked at it afterwards. And one thing that scared me off that I'm interested in your feedback on is I looked at this week and went, against the Cowboys, love it, probably get a ton again. But then he plays the Panthers in round eight. And then he plays the Roosters in round nine. And now, look, I know that my boys aren't going that great, but our defense is still as good as ever. So our attack looks shit, but our defense is still there. So the next two weeks against the Panthers and, and Roosters after this week isn't great. So that kind of scared me off a little bit. So certainly this week, Billy, you know, most teams are going to be looking at a big money purchase and they can only make one. For Fafita looked gold against the Cowboys this week, looked gold the last two weeks. Should you be buying him over, you know, some of these other bigger options? Yeah, conundrum for me. Um, I think I was about thirty grand short of clearing without making a, a third trade, and there's no one to downgrade Bullmore to. So, <laughs> kind of put a damper on that. The thing that scares me about Fafita though is, um, just looking at the numbers that you sort of rattled off before, like, um, what five five offloads, only sort of four tackle breaks, or, or whatever it was. The, the bloke, looking at his numbers, the bloke only makes like about. 10 runs per game. So if you put that in context, he's basically got one offload, one tackle break um, um, per per hit-up or every single second hit-up. So one hit-up is two points and his second hit-up is uh, two points plus the tackle bus plus the offload. So he's basically having eight points almost every second run. And then you throw in a line break every single third run they're both scoring sort of what 30, 30 points every you know, every sort of three or four runs, just just taking the ball up. So if he's doing that with hardly any work rate, imagine what he could do if he actually pulled his finger out and had, had a bit more of a go. And that's on top of his twenty five tackles. So um, I wouldn't be too concerned about the Panthers and the Chooks because he's not going to get as much ball uh, um, uh, as as he, as. Most guys don't get as much ball as they normally would when they're playing those sorts of guys because uh, Panthers dominate and your, your guys are pretty good defensively, defensively, like you just said, but he hardly touches the ball anyway. So I can't really see the Panthers being any different with stopping an offload or, or, or a tackle break. So maybe they stop a try off even only scores sort of 60, 65. So with a, with a low of sort of 50, 55, I don't think there's anything to be too concerned about with him. Yep, fair call. Look, I think he's a great option this week. Um, certainly, you know, it's a great matchup this week and I wouldn't talk anyone out of buying him because the other argument for getting him right now and not worrying about the two weeks after is, you know, that after that next two weeks, you might not be able to afford him. It might just be way too hard. Uh, he could be 800K plus. So, yeah, love him for this week. He deserves to be in the top 10 most traded in. Uh, another guy that's in the top 10 most traded in is Jason Tomalolo. He's now just under 570,000. It's almost 100K he's made. And he's now scored 86 points on the weekend, which is the highest that he's scored so far, coming up against a Gold Coast Titans side who you know can leak points to opposing forwards. So he had 71 minutes on the weekend, and those minutes have climbed for three weeks in a row, and it looks like that they're going to play him for high minutes. That 71 minutes meant that he had 74 raw base, Billy. And the other pleasing thing, the tackle breaks are back, five tackle breaks, and also one offload. And the last few weeks I've been watching, he looks like that he's trying to offload a lot. He actually had a second offload that was an ineffective one, and it was a turnover, I think, on the weekend. Um, he's trying to offload a lot. This is a great matchup against the Gold Coast Titans this week. So 
he's one of those guys where you wouldn't want to pay too much for him, um, but he's now starting to peak. And I think that we can say now that he's a front row forward as well, uh, guys can be you know, getting him in at front row and looking ahead and saying, this is one of the guys that I want for that buy round. So now's an opportune time to buy. So I do get why he's coming in at the moment. Um, and I do think that he's a decent buy, uh, pretty good setup for the buy round as well. So it's all coming together for for Jason Tolmalolo now the last few weeks. And this week, I expect another 65-plus score. Yeah, I think particularly two things. Number one, obviously, the minutes being increased is great. And secondly, the uh, the front row rotation, like you said, is, is meant... Um, if it wasn't for Arrow having the draw that he does, I'd be sort of getting Jack and he's sort of 55 points and not getting any attacks. So I'll keep Arrow for another week or two, given, given his draw. But if that doesn't line up, he might be the uh, sacrificial lamb for uh, a Tomalala. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I'm actually looking at um, trading Arrow out myself um, just because I, he doesn't seem to be getting anything from the draw with Souths with how they're playing. Um, he was close to a try on the weekend, but you know, other than that, he's just not getting anything there. Um, and he's not getting, uh, he didn't get the minutes last week. So his, his break even is not low either. So um, that, that is actually a trade that I'm contemplating, except not to a Tomalolo. So uh, I don't mind if you need to, that's the sort of thing where we were talking about the strategy where you're looking at where you can cut bait. Um, and Arrow presents solid scores with minimal upside at the moment of cash or minimal large points and he's not going to play the buy round. So, you know, I looked at my side and went, no, actually, I don't want to trade out these money makers. I'd rather probably just trade out an arrow and upgrade him. Uh, and that's where I'm going to find some money. And if I didn't have Lolo, I think that's an okay trade to make as well since Lolo is going to play the round 13 buy. So, look, I'm just going to quickly mention one other guy uh, briefly, and that is Lukey at the Cowboys. So Lukey has been named for the second week in a row to start in the second row. Last week, he played a full 80 minutes, scored 90 points with a try. Looked fantastic. Only in 3% of the teams at the moment. Not heaps of people looking at him. He comes in at just under 350,000. So he's a decent downgrade, but not a massive downgrade. Um, but he's got a minus 12 break even. So at the moment, he could make a bit of cash. He's named to start again this week. Look, really briefly, I don't want to spend too much time on Lukey, but there's two things to basically consider. One is that last week, the Cowboys didn't even use all their bench. They had a couple of guys like Granville. Uh, and someone else that didn't even you know, play um, outside back. But they also had, um, I believe, Gilbert got injured as well. It's it's very 50-50 whether he was actually going to get 80 minutes or not. And because it was the only time that we've seen him start so far this year, it, it's to be determined whether he's going to get the 80 minutes. But if he's getting 80 minutes, he would, he'd be a great buy. The question is whether he's going to. The problem with him is that because of his minus 12 break even, you can't really afford to wait either. So I've certainly seen teams jumping on Lukey. Um, I think it's a bit of a risk, but you could do it if you don't mind the risk. One thing to also consider to finish up on is Lukey last year had a few games where he was starting. Um, he actually had four starting games last year, but got injured in the last ones. The other three, he played 64, 69 and 54 minutes. So, you know, over that period, he basically averaged 50 plus anyway. So, you know, if you can average 50 points a game, he's still going to be half decent if that's his floor. Um, and to do that, he'd only need to average about 60 minutes a game. So yeah, 60 minutes, if he's going to start, you'd expect he's going to get. So I think that it's important to understand what his floor is. His floor is he might only play 60 minutes. If that happens, he still should give you 50 plus points. If he plays 80 minutes, which we're all going to hope for if we buy him, then you know he should be able to score 60 plus points and actually be a really good 
moneymaker, a decent starter with matchups, and also someone who's going to play around 13. So I don't mind Lukey. I'm not going to spend too much time on him, though, because the reality is it's got just as good a chance as not being fantastic as what it does actually working out because the immortal Todd Payton as coach, you know, we don't know what he's going to do really, and he may not have played 80 minutes last week had we been able to see the rotation. But let's move along to the final part of this game. Um, Look, Billy, VC for feeder um, or C for feeder, you know, both options look pretty good for this one, and and it's pretty clear-cut, I reckon, that you need to have something on him if you've got him. Yeah, I had a, uh, had an anytime try scorer last week. I think it was like two bucks fifty, which was um, pretty crazy odds uh, for Fifi. Um, although rolling him into four or five other guys didn't work out so well, but just not two bucks fifty for him. So I think I've got to be greedy. Rolling into Talakai and Hines and a couple of others it didn't work. And Yellow, I think it was. So would but, you um, go? Would you go uh, VC on Fafita over say Hines? Because I, I think that I'm almost leaning that way, considering the turnaround and everything we spoke about with Hines and essential really, injury. Yeah, 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 hundred um, uh, percent. Turnaround injury cloud. The fact that you know a couple of forwards are out uh, Thursday night. I, I'd, I'd much prefer um, a guy that's actually coming off a couple of, a couple of tons in form and playing a, a, a team that isn't just the known for their sort of defence. So I'd, I'd, go, I'd, go, I'd go for Fida out. Top spot bit of the week on the Cowboys versus the Titans. David Fafida, $3. Score any time try. Get on that one. Tigers and Rabbitohs are the next one. Tigers obviously unchanged after getting their first win, which is great to see. The Rabbits um, have dropped outside back Isaiah Tass, who some people have been bringing in as a downgrade. Other than that, everything's going to be basically the same for Supercoach purposes. So Tigers and South Billy. Now, look, normally this one, you would go, geez, I want a lot of rabbits. But the rabbits are playing not phenomenal mm-hmm. um, as far as their big super coach scorers. And the Tigers just got a really good win against your Eels. So that's, this isn't looking as nice as what it was when we were trading rabbits in for the last few weeks. What do you think the Tigers kind of revert and they end up being the poor Tigers again after they got their win on the board? The uh, rabbits are not the Eels. Let me tell you that. I was just happy that sort of Moses and sort of uh, Dilbaris didn't score 180 each because I was starting to get jack of that. Isn't that horrible when, um, you know, your, um, your your team starts doing well, but you start praying that they don't do too well because you've been desperate two blokes that have done nothing in the last five years and all of a sudden come out and start carving up the competition. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think Souths are a much different unit to the Eels, mate. Uh, I know they're not looking as smooth as what, as what they have. I think they probably do. I don't think they go as bad as the Eels. They, they, they were pretty ordinary last week. I think they sort of gel a little bit more. I, I think you'll see the Souths sort of... I don't think it'll be a massive dent, but I think you'll probably see the Souths get sort of a 20-point margin on them. Yeah, look, I can see it even being a reasonably close game. Like, um, maybe, like the Tigers might have a lot of confidence and they might put up, you know, 18, 20 points. But I just think that Souths will put up 30 points plus. So it's still going to be good super coach scoring for Souths, even if it's a tighter game or they don't put up that well of a, you know, a margin. Um, How do you think, um, so just quickly, on an actual, from an actual footy point of view, you're a footy brain, you played the game a, a number of years, mate. How did you... I only saw the last 20, 25 minutes because I was driving home from the country with the kids. But how did you see um, Brooks play as a as a second receiver or so or as five eighth? Do you did you do you feel he had a bit more time to think about what he what he was doing? Obviously, 
and how did the how did the rotation into Hooker go for him? Like, how did he actually look? I actually thought he looked really well, really good. Um, so like it was, it's funny because like when the people were going on about how oh, Brooks got demoted, and it's like no, he didn't. Like he's he's still in the halves, you know. Like to me, I've always I've said for years that like the seven and the six don't make much difference. They're very interchangeable these days. That they each on a lot of teams just stick to their side of the field too, that and then play together and stuff. So I didn't think it was that big a difference. But philosophically, on how their attack worked. I thought it was a big difference. And just mentally for Brooks, I thought that he looked like he had a bit of a weight lifted on him. He had less responsibility. Um, and Jackson Hastings was was taking on a lot of it. You know, he was actually playing a real, uh, like, controlling half type of role. Um, and Brooks was still doing similar things to what he normally does. But I just think that he had a lot more confidence and a lot more time. And he, he just looked... Um, I was going to say happier, but like I think it was a lot of confidence. But I think that he looked a lot more comfortable um, and even relieved. So it worked well for him. I thought he played well. Um, and when he went into hooker, he actually had a couple of nice darts and things. But one of the good things with him at hooker for the short time was his balls were really good. Like he was throwing some nice spiral balls, cutting out a couple of plays straight to Hastings and so forth. And his service was quite good. And he interchanged a little bit of hooker while he was playing there. So I thought he looked good and I thought that it sort of gave him a bit, a bit of freedom and confidence that he wasn't going to have if he was kind of shackled with that seven jersey. Hastings reminds me of Adam Reynolds. He plays really, really straight, and he's got that big bomb, um, a short ball, and a grubber. It's kind of, kind of all he sort of really does. Um, little sort of general same sort of style of play. Um, Luke Brooks is more of a fancy sort of here, there, every sort of type of half. So, from what I did see, it was nice to see him sort of just roaming a bit more time and just playing that sort of a creative sort of um, role um, off, off the back of, uh, um, yeah, Hastings doing Adam, Adam Reynolds' uh, style uh, directive play. It was definitely a lot better for them. Um, I think what everybody needs to remember is that Hastings has got like three games back in the NRL um, after being out for years. And, you know, it was a great performance, but, you know, we still need to see a lot more of it to see that it's actually going to work, especially with that Tigers outfit. So this will be a good test for him this week. Um, Ilias is... The guy that's in the top ten most traded out in this game, um, seventh most traded out. He's turned ninety eight thousand, so he's made the best part of a hundred grand. Uh, he's still only got a mid twenties break even, right? So, I think that this is one of those trade outs where people have been uh, less than impressed with his points. He's averaging thirty three for for the year. He after a couple of promising weeks in round four to five of fifty five and thirty nine points, he only had twenty five points against the Bulldogs, and I'm sure everyone expected him to. Score a lot better. Um, a lot of people played him against the Bulldogs, so I think they're going to be burnt. Um, and they're probably looking ahead going, well, oh, I don't think I can play him against the Tigers because he only scored 25 points against the Bulldogs. And a lot of people are needing to sacrifice someone to get to Nathan Cleary. So I, I do get it. Um, I would hope that the teams that are trading him, though, are going to a Nathan Cleary and can't do it another way um, rather than just dumping him because they think he's not going to make money. Because if that's the case, uh, you'd hold him for this run, even though the Souths haven't made the most of it yet. Um, Tigers, Manly, Broncos, Warriors, Canberra, Tigers again. Um, they will make the most of it at some point, potentially starting this week. And at some point, Ilias has to have a big score playing 80 minutes with that draw. So trading if you need to, like some of these people are trading out for this week. But if you don't need to, I definitely wouldn't be just dumping him for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah I'm going to hold him playing another week. Um, like I'll... I've, I've got to I've got to punt someone for sort of TAFE because I think with his draw with the goal kicking that kind of just 
offsets the value thing. So here's the sort of the Schneider sort of re refill, I think. But um, I think you can probably split the split a good player into into a couple, like a tape and someone else, maybe for feeder, you know, try and get that sort of right again. Um, maybe make some start making some some cash out of someone sort of sitting idle, like one of those centre three quarter bums that sort of made the wrong decision on, or maybe the other people made a wrong decision on. But um, yeah, Ilias, whether you're playing or not, he's Tigers this week, surely he's, that, that's one team you can maybe give him a mulligan on and just see what happens. Well, I mean, Taff is an interesting one. He's the most traded in player at the moment by far. You know, everyone's jumping on him. And he, he was okay on the weekend. He scored 62 points. Almost half of his points were in goals. He had 20, you know. So, I mean, you're going to get the goal kicking from him. But, I mean, the week before, right, he had 16 points in goals and only scored 39 points. You know, as a fullback, his base at the moment in his last two games have been 21 and 17, you know, which is pretty horrendous for a fullback. Um, and he, he's not getting tackle breaks and stuff either. So it's it's one of those things, Billy, where I've already spoken last week about the position stuff, right? Like trading a Schneider to him is bad, I think. Um, certainly trading one of the key fullbacks, I'm not big on either. Um, I do see the merit in freeing up money by doing that to go to a Cleary, if you're sold that Cleary's going to keep going massive, I get it. And yeah, I wouldn't completely talk you out of it. But Taff is a guy that, you know, last year had his five games scoring 35 odd points um, as a fullback, you know, add the goal kicking and it ends up being 45 points at best sort of thing. So, I mean, he could be doing that again and it's not going to be great for you. You might've been better off holding a Schneider that plays around 13 and that's still from this point onwards could even still make more money if Schneider keeps improving and playing how he has been. So I don't see him as, as worthy of being the most trading player at the moment. Um, I see him as an option, uh, but he's, I also see some risk with that option. Um, if you're trading out a really good player for him, or if you're expecting him to make 200 you know, grand, really easily just because he's got the goal kicking for South and you think that he's a 60-plus point player, I think you're going to be pretty disappointed with that because there's a very there's a good chance that he's going to be a sub-50 player um, and maybe even a, a real disappointing sort of 45-type player. Yeah, I disagree with it. I think um, I think he's the mere fact that he's got that spot for a few weeks and the goal kicking alone with that draw just puts him in the sort of 60-plus category. And he, he's not going to score 20 points because he's got the goal kick. South's are going to kick. Sounds are going to kick some goals, and surely with that draw, he has. Even though he looked pretty ordinary, he has one try assist every now and then, twenty points here and there. I think that gets him to sixty times. Not easily, but I, I, with a sort of reasonable confidence, I, I'd say he's got the six sixty average. Given these prices of two hundred ten, he's going to make some points. He's playable. Um, it's not like Teddy's actually setting the world on fire at the moment, so. For me, it's someone that I can sort of get in that's going to make some easy money and it's sort of 500k that I can spread to uh, put coin away to get sort of Cleary or, or get from feeder back uh, that have that, that guaranteed sort of 64. And you're basically getting someone else who's got, in my opinion, a 60 sort of 60, 65 rolling average over the next few weeks that I can play and make sort of two, three hundred grand off as opposed to having to play like a two Alagi or someone like that or Ilias next week. Yeah, I get it. And I'd play him over those guys. But, I mean, he's just played the Dragons and the Bulldogs in back-to-back weeks, both at home, and he's averaged 50 points across those two. Yeah, I think you're forgetting, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of those games came off the bench when um, when um, Latrell were injured, so he didn't play full game. He played 67 minutes. So he didn't, 
Um, but so he would have reached maybe 53 on the numbers. But yeah, like, yeah, that, that's my point with it, really. Um, I could see him averaging more, and he's a young player, and we're talking small sample sizes. So yeah, he, he could, could average more. But I just definitely see that there's risk there. I don't think it's a slam dunk at all. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, I understand people doing it to free out money for Cleary, though. Um, and certainly he's playable in your 17, like you mentioned, Billy. I would play him um, much like a Schneider, who's a goal kicker. You know, you're playing him a lot of the weeks as well. You know, I'd play him. But, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I would trade Elias to Taff because, you know, at the moment Taff looks like he'll make more money, um, a better option to play as well. But would you trade Schneider to Taff? Because that's what a lot of people are doing in that halfback spot. Um, given that you um, given that you sort of held... Um, Held him for those for those price rises, and you've got this as a four hundred k. I would, yeah. Bottom line is, yeah, I would, mate. Yep. No, fair call. I think that's a bit of a tough one too, because I think Schneider's a better player. Obviously, Taff has the negative break even at the moment. Could go either way. I'm just not one hundred percent sold on Taff, but I wouldn't talk anyone out of him too much. Um, Hastings is the ninth most traded in player. I would talk everyone out of this. I don't understand. Um, they're playing Souths. Yeah, they had a good week last week, and Hastings was the hero. Um, but Jackson Hastings scored 70 points, played really well. Um, the first two weeks, he scored 35 and 51. It's, yeah, at almost 400,000 with like a, a negative three break even. I, I don't really see any appeal in doing that one. So that's a bit of a head scratcher for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no interesting. Shouldn't be doing it. We're just going to say it straight out. Don't do it. Um, oh, no, 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 talking about. <laughs> Others of interest. Uh, look, we haven't talked about Cook since the preseason enough. You know, in the preseason, I was all over Damian Cook and ended up having to shave him off because um, I needed the extra cash and then ended up buying Grant pretty much straight away anyway. He scored 121 on the weekend. Did that with um, a hat trick against the Bulldogs. Is coming up against a Tigers side that I'm very scared that I could see him doing the same thing against. Uh, he's now gone 85 and 121 his last two, but he's got a you know a three round average of 92, a five round average of 79, and a season average of 76. He's absolutely blitzing it. He's now 100k more than what he started at at about 670k, uh, with an almost dead even break even. So he's going to go up heat this week as well. Um, is there merit, Billy? Because I'm looking at this matchup going, you know, South has got a great run still. Um, he's going to kill it. A couple of weeks ago, I was saying to people, you know, I'd choose Grant over him. I still will choose Grant over, over Damien Cook. Um, Wilfred made a really good point when I was chatting to him earlier, which I 100% agree with, but he beat me to it and chatting to someone else that Cook had to score a hat trick to get to his 120 last week and sort of Grant will score 20, 20 below that with one try. Um, so Grant definitely gets his points a lot easier. But I was really against the, the double hooker move a, a few weeks ago. Um, and now... Now that Randall's making more cash, I'm starting to think about it. Like, do you think that there's any realm of your uh, super coach builds now that we've seen Damien Cook do this for the whole season, basically six weeks, that you go, you know what, um, having a, a Damien Cook and a Grant is going to be better than me, you know, investing in a, a second row forward or a centre wing or something like that and go the dual hooker route because it's starting to become more appealing for me. Um, I'll admit that, even though a few weeks ago I said, I think that you need to put that money elsewhere. Yeah, certainly more appealing, but I'm, I'm with um, Fish on this one. Um, I was just going to say exactly the same thing. Blake scored three tries last week for 120. You ain't going to do that every week. You, you, you take the best winger in the comp there and you're going to average one one per week. So best hooker in the comp isn't going to average one per week. So um, even if you gave him one per week, that's what, 
80, average and absolute best. Because um, he's going to have what fifty tackles in a highly highly defensive game, forty tackles in in one where there's a bit of attack, a bit of attacking prowess, a few runs, a couple of tackle busts, a line break try, line break try. Uh, I think he sort of comes back to the pack a little bit, um, not willing to sort of fork out a price for that. I think that's a lot of money that you can spend elsewhere when you're going to get 50 tackles off um, Randall just being a slug in the middle. Yep, fair call, fair call. Um, another guy that's not going well, uh, not going half as well as what Cook is anyway, Cody Walker, averaging 35 points a game at the moment. He scored 44 in the weekend. Uh, I thought he looked a lot better against the Roosters and Penrith in round three and four, 59 and 51 points. Threw up the 10 against the Dragons, which I bought him for, which I was annoyed at, and then 44 against the Dogs. Um, I thought they were good sides in the weekend, though, and I will say this, like sometimes you need to watch the games and see how guys look as well. And I thought that he was running a lot more. He was trying a lot more. He was making errors while he was doing it. But the fact that he was involved a lot more, uh, I think he's going to pay dividends in the coming weeks. So he's now under 500,000. He's got a 90s BE anyway. Um, but he's played so badly, Billy, that people are scared off him. But playing the Tigers and having this draw that's coming up, um, surely it, like he's not going to average 35 a game. So he's going to click for a big game eventually. Uh, or you could say that he's not going to because at this point we do have six weeks. I'm going to say that I think that he is. I think he's pretty good value. At the moment, Like one of the crazy things is if you've got like a Dylan Brown at your sixth spot, you can downgrade and make well over a couple hundred thousand dollars to a Cody Walker and use that to go up to Cleary at your halfback spot. And that's that's pretty crazy, but I actually I think that's it's pretty good. You know, even though Cody Walker's not playing well, um, I still see him as a buy. Uh, I still see him as someone that's going to turn around and I, I'm looking at a VC on him potentially this week if I don't do a Cody Walker, if I don't do a um, Nico Hines. Yeah, same. I love that move. Um, you got to remember, um, and look, you can say this about any, oh, not any player, but a lot, a lot of players, you know, they were, they were so close last week, but I bought AJ last week. I kind of figured I'm just going to double down. Walker's got a bounce. He's not going to score in a 10. So I got AJ as well last week, and I was pretty happy with that. But it was so frustrating seeing, you know, Cody Walker line break assist, try assist to sort of, at the back to AJ line break, line break assist, and all of a sudden it gets called back. You're like, no, <laughs> there goes 90 points in one play. <laughs> yeah, he did lose some. Hey, like there was, the, you know, some of those stuck. He was looking at a 70 plus score pretty. Yeah, easy. and then towards the end of the game, the end there was another line break try assist. And like, yes, and then you're like, oh, hold on, what's Elias doing on that side? Get, get out of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Yeah, so um, well, it might have been tough, I think. I can't remember. But, yeah, so, look, I, I don't think he could possibly go any worse than what he has. If he does, then I'll still hold him. <laughs> but, yeah, look, mate, versus the Tigers coming off the back of that, he's certainly absolutely flawed, buttoned it. You'd have a lot more confidence knowing, you know, if Latrell was there and that would really still help out. But, um, well, mate, at, at the current price... He's he's a, he's an absolute he's an absolute steal. Um, you go back to any other time in history and say you can get you can get Cody Walker with this sort of run at this price. What do you do? Well, look, can I just make the point in this game? In the same game, Jackson Hastings is ninety thousand dollars less than Cody Walker, and everyone and people are buying Jackson Hastings. Like I just ninety thousand dollars isn't that much of a difference. Like get Cody Walker instead. But you mentioned AJ; he's the better of the week for top sport for this game. 
topsport.com.au, they have Alex Johnston at $1.69 to score any time. You know, he's probably going to score two, but $1.70 almost to score any time. I absolutely love that. Let's motor through the last few, Billy, because we've got um, a bit to talk about. Knights and Eels is the next one. Now, I don't know what to expect with this one because your Eels just lost to the Tigers. Uh, the Knights um, had Ponga scoring like crazy last week. So I, I'm interested to watch this game. Paulo returns from suspension, which I think is really big for the Knights because I think you really missed him. Um, and that's the only real, you know, super coach relevant news. Um, and Adam Clean returns to the halves for the Knights, which I think makes them better overall, which helps some of the super coach options. But other than that, um, Moses is actually the eighth most traded player out. So this is really interesting because Mitchell Moses is someone who's on a bit of a hot streak. He, he's gone better than he has at any point in his career before. Um, which is annoying because I sold him for that run and I've owned him like five different seasons at times for runs and he's never given this to me. But anyway, 72 points on the weekend against the Tigers, nothing to sneeze at. He's now going to be in the 50s though and he's $725,000. So if you had him from the start, you made a couple hundred grand off him. Um, he is playing the Knights um, and then he is playing the Cowboys. So the next two weeks, I actually think he's got pretty decent matchups. But I understand people going, you know what? For 175000 I can just get Nathan Cleary in. And I dare say that's what a lot of the trade-outs are for. Maybe it's a great time to trade him. Maybe you're, you're going to just miss a, a, a bad run of scores now. Um, so it kind of makes a bit of sense. Absolutely, I'd be selling him. It's the absolute right time. People that have bought um, Moses to start the year have absolutely um, start off with a screamer. They've got a bloke because they thought had a reasonable draw would go on a tear. Um, me looking at him, knowing what Moses does, who's very hot and cold, often to stay away because all he does is kick. But he's just gone on absolute tear, proved me wrong. Very happy for him. Um, he's done a great job, but um, you need to get rid of him before he comes back to earth. And what better way to do that than to spend what, an extra 170 grand and get the best halfback in the comp who's just come off the back of 130? You're basically just doubling down here, taking your win and going to an absolute keeper who is not going to be outscored by anyone in the competition from this point on in his, at least in, in his, in his uh, role. So it's absolutely safe bet. And I can see why they'd be doing, I'd be doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. I, I can see Moses still scoring well over the next couple of weeks, but at the end of the day, if you're going to Cleary, Cleary's going to match him at worst anyway. So, and you're going to keep Cleary for the long haul, whereas Moses is going to become a sell in a few weeks when he hits the Panthers, the Roosters, Manly and Canberra. That's not the best four weeks um, with three of those four away as well. So, Oh, look, he's going to be a sell eventually, um, getting it on early. Yeah, don't worry about him scoring well the next couple of weeks, provided you're going to Cleary. If you're not going to Cleary and you're going elsewhere, or you don't need to do it, then you could definitely wait this week and play him against the Knights. Uh, moving along, um, Penasini's been going pretty well. Um, I've been pretty impressed. On the weekend when he was playing, Billy, he had quite a few runs playing on the wing. Uh, and I think that he interchanged with centre a little bit, but he had a nice amount of tackle breaks too. Some of his runs, one of them in particular, he got three or four tackle breaks just in the run, one run. He's gone 68, 40 and 73 in his last three weeks. He's now got a break even in the teens. That's around the time that you'd look at starting to to potentially sell at almost 400,000. He's got a bit of money to make still though. So this is one of those guys where I've actually looked at him and gone, you know what, for this week against Newcastle, you know, maybe he sort of only scores like a 40-odd um, and that's not going to make a huge amount of cash. I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, 25K this week extra 
um, to get him out to sort of, you know, downgrade and, and use that money elsewhere. Um, so he's one of those guys that I'm going to sell a little bit early, but it's because I don't, I don't think that he's got a huge amount left to make in the coming week or two. Um, no, I haven't got him. Um, I was just death riding him um, last week because when he got named at, at left wing versus that versus the Tigers, I started freaking out, going, "Oh man, he's going to score 100. He's going to score 100. Please don't." <laughs> so I uh, opted not to. Um, I just prayed to the gods that. Uh, so we didn't. He didn't go over the line, but he still still scored what 60 odd doing doing nothing. Thank Christ. Um, I wouldn't be buying him. Um, would I sell him? Yeah, I would. Um, He's the sort of guy that has done enough for you that you could probably just use him as a platform with with an extra hundred grand with the call and just go to stags and and given that sort of one's got a slightly different beauty and differential and form form line um, for an for an extra hundred grand you can just get a guy who's going to tee off maybe use maybe give you an extra, another eighty to hundred points and make your hundred grand do give it a couple of weeks and all of a sudden there's your there's your quick flip quick flip to someone else as well so if you have you know you have 35 36 trades left just so um, i mean the knights were scoring well in super coach on the weekend obviously kaylen pong is massive score but lost to the dragons um eels lost to the tigers i see the eels bouncing back so top spot better the week for this one eels minus eight and a half i'm gonna actually take them for that i reckon they're gonna have a bounce back against the knights um gonna get dollar 95 for that one panthers raiders is the next one Obviously, Nathan Cleary is the talk of the town. He scored 151 points on the weekend. You're not even getting below 900K and everyone needs to buy him. With the team changes, obviously, Panthers are the same. Jordan Rappenart has gone to fullback, though, which is interesting. Nickel Clockstar is at the bench and Xavier Savage finally gets his start on the wing. That's going to be interesting looking down the track because Savage, if he sticks on the wing or he sticks in the side, he'll, he'll probably get um, around 12 centre wing coverage. And he's going to play round 13 as well. So that's going to be interesting um, if he sticks on that wing spot. Um, it's a bit of a shame that we have to wait till round 12 for him to get center wing eligibility, though. Billy, most traded in, traded out players on Market Watch. Traded out, first of all. Schneider getting traded out hugely. Uh, low break even. Obviously, playing the Panthers, though, you'd probably bench him. A uh, bit of a tough one. Like White and, and Kikau in this game. They're being hugely traded out. I would trade both of them, and I think they're very straightforward. Snyder's not too straightforward. So, again, if we're going to say that's the only way you can get to Cleary, fine, do it. But if it's not the way that you can get to Cleary or you're just trading him out to cash out, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be holding him. Yeah, he scored 65 or 67 versus the Storm a couple weeks ago. Correct me if I'm right or wrong. 65, yeah. Yeah, I'm having the um the errors because I saw him thinking he's not going to score that versus the storm, and then he did. So imagine what he can do against an ordinary team like the Panthers. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think you'll go. I think you'll just yes, it's Canberra, but they're still, you're still going to score a few points um, in goals. The only thing is, um, from memory, this one's actually at Panther Stadium, so um away from home doesn't really sort of help there. Um, look, if, if he can get through this game, I'd, I'd, st- I'd still be playing. He has a lot more upside than a lot of the other guys in, in the comp, given that if he's going to kick 12 points, he's going to make some 20 points in tackles, uh, uh, 7, 8, 9, 10 points in runs of a couple of tackle busts. There's just about 40 points of the floor already. So if he gets one one attack start, you're already in a sort of 60. So... I think he's a lot better than what people give him sort of credit for. Yeah, he's got a raw base of 33. 
plus his goal kicking. So he's actually more like a 45-4, which is really good because obviously if he hits clutch attack or he scores a try, he's going to score really well. Um, So I'm I'm going to probably sit him against the Panthers, but I could see why people would play him because he's almost match-up proof, which is a funny thing to say about a young rookie halfback, but he's really proven himself in the five games that he's played now. Uh, Look, he's got close to an even break even, so he's going to be making cash either way. And after this game, he's got the Warriors and the Bulldogs. So that's why I'd really be trying to hold him. Like, I understand if you have to trade him to get to Cleary, okay, if you've got nothing else you can do. But otherwise, if you're not doing that or you can do something else, I would be trying to hold him because he he should make good enough money where he's he's around 13 players well um, and he's going to actually be a pretty decent 7th man for the first half of the season. Other guys in market watch, Cleary is the most traded in player. Everyone, or sorry, the second now, second most traded in player. Everyone's trying to get in Cleary. Now, he's only 7% owned at the moment. He's going to be... A lot more owned after this week. I dare say probably 20% owned after this week, the way things are going. Um, scored 151 on the weekend. So people have very quickly forgotten Billy. He's 57 and 34 points the, the two weeks before. Um, he managed to play a lot better, though, and I think that was the biggest thing. He was really in everything on the weekend. Uh, he was running the ball a lot. He was doing a lot of great uh, passing at the line as well. He wasn't worried about it, and I think that those were the main things. He had one line break three offloads, 15 runs, three try assists and one line break assist. So his kicking game was also really on point with the forced dropouts and two of his try assists were from kicks. He's basically doing everything that you've seen Cleary do before when he's been on fire. So I think everyone's kind of looked at it and said he's back. Uh, 900,000, got a break even of 83. Billy, I completely get people jumping on and trying to get Cleary in as quick as they can. Um, one of the things with Canberra is that they, I've said this before, and they did it with the Storm a couple of weeks ago. They can be a bit stifling for opposing supercoach scores. You know, Paps only scored 41 against them. Munster didn't go too well against them either. Uh, they can have that annoying type of game where, you know, the Panthers might win convincingly, but it might be like, you know, 32 to 18 or something. Um, clearly might score 80 points, which is great, but it's still not going to mean he's up in cash. I mean, I'm in two minds a little bit. You know, I really want Nathan Cleary, but I am going to have to tear my team apart a little bit. You know, otherwise I could not get Nathan Cleary and have two or three upgrades that I do instead of just Nathan Cleary and two bums in. When I'm having a look at it, the next two weeks for Cleary, though, Canberra, I don't think he's that scary. Like, there's a chance that Canberra actually aim up a little bit, make it a bit hard for him. The Titans a week after are very scary. Uh, but then Cleary's got a run of, you know, Parramatta, Melbourne and the Roosters. So I guess... You can make a narrative that, you know, if you've got um, a good scoring half or you're going to get a Fafita in that you think is going to score a ton this week, you can kind of get through the next five weeks without buying him potentially and he's not a must-have. Or you could also say to yourself, I don't need to get him this week with that break-even because even if he scores like a 90, he's still going to be a pretty similar price and you're going to be able to trade better players to trade out next week or the weeks after, set yourself up for it next fortnight. You know, where are you at on, on Nathan Cleary? Do you think you have to get him in this week or you think you can wait or do you even think that you could even bypass him until, you know, the origin period? Oh, you don't have to sort of get him in by, by any means. It's just that if he goes on another sort of 150 or two, um, that's the scary thing. Like the people up the top kind of have him and it kind of pulls them away a little bit. That's the only thing. I, I, like, I like the idea of having a nice little blankie going, you know what, uh, if he does score, you know, a one one fifty or a one seventy, and I've got the VC on him, 
or see on him than um, I'm up there with them and kind of they, they have that sort of uh, not the slip stream but the drag effect like you're with you with, with the top with you with the top and sort of contenders um I don't see sort of for free doing that he's just undervalued by maybe sort of 100 grand because he's just going to go on that sort of tear and score a couple of hundreds but he can quite easily come back and do a 50 50 um, whereas I think Cleary just has that um that option for you to VC or see him a bit more and, and double your points there so it's more the yep. scare factor with him oh it, it, it's very scary if he goes 150 plus again it's going to just kill teams that don't have him so and look, the Raiders aren't a good team so maybe they don't aim up it is at Panthers Stadium that makes it a lot easier uh, look, we have only seen this one big game from Cleary, though, this year. So how confident would you be in this one of putting the C on him? Because a lot of teams are, are doing it, uh, and certainly a lot of people are buying him to captain him against Canberra. And I get it, because Canberra aren't a good side, and I'd consider it as well. In the back of my mind, though, I would be slightly worried, you know, that the two games before this, uh, he wasn't really on for. Um, and, you know, Canberra can be a bit annoying. So, you know, are you confident that Cleary's back enough to throw the C straight on him for this Canberra game? I'd be more confident chucking on Cleary versus Papenhuisen. Um, uh, reason is he's the guy that has his hands on the ball every sort of fifth tackle option, basically, and kicks the goals, and is in the best team in the comp at home. Whereas a guy like Pappy kicks a lot of goals and and is playing sort of you know the Warriors at home. But if, he, but if the rest of the team that the try system tries, he's got that sort of 55, 65 floor. Whereas Cleary's got the sort of the seventy five sort of sort of floor with with no attack. So. Um, I think he's kind of a sort of safer sort of option. Yeah, I think that he's going to score 70 plus this week against Canberra, even if he has a bit of a quiet game. So I certainly agree with that. And look, I'd be a little bit worried in the back of my mind that he might have a chance to to not be near what he was last week and be more what he was the two weeks before. But I'd still consider putting the C on him if I owned him because at the end of the day, like Billy said, his floor is still going to be pretty decent. And I don't think there's massive options this week that are going to really hurt you. Clearly is an option that could really hurt you if he backs up last week it's going to really sting because he's going to be double the ownership or more. And he's going to be more than double the C's on him this week as well, I think, against Canberra. So really big play. I'm interested. I'm going to be watching with interest at how it unfolds. I'm 50-50 on Cleary at the moment, I'll be honest. I'm trying to get him in. I may very well stick with it. Or I might look at getting him in next week instead. I'm going to have a bit more of a look myself and see. I don't think that he's a must this week. You can plan to maybe get him next week instead. Top sport bet of the week for this one. Tyrone, Taylor and May is a play every week now. We didn't, we're not even talking about sitting him anymore because he scores every single week. So when you have any look at the markets, like a dollar eleven on top sport for Penrith Panthers, but try scorers. Obviously, May's been scoring like crazy, but you can still get a dollar sixty on top sport for any time try. That is money in the bank the last couple of weeks. I've kept saying it. Uh, he's dropping slightly, but he's not dropping enough not to put money on a dollar sixty is great odds for him on top sport. Second last game of the round is my Roosters versus the Dragons. Team changes for this one. Uh, Dragons are completely unchanged. For the Roosters, uh, Momorowski comes back from injury, replacing Kevin Nagama, and Takiyaho is back. Anzac Day matchup, Billy. Uh, Market watch, Teddy is the most traded out again. Everyone is jumping off James Tedesco at the moment. Uh, It would be hard for me to... Look, I, I'm going to hold him, and I'll say straight out, I'm, I'm going to hold him. I don't see any need for me to trade him out. Uh, he's still averaging 60-odd points a game. He's still got a couple of good scores in the 80s. He's still got a good run coming up. The Roosters' attack looks terrible. 
he's not running as much. He's not getting as many stats, but he's still scoring 60-plus points a game, and that's like his floor. So if everything's going that badly and he's still doing this, I'm happy just to wait and wait for it to click because there's enough other guys that I can trade out at the moment. I've got so many guys I can trade out. I really don't need to trade out James Tedesco, but a lot of people are. It's harder than two weeks ago for me to talk them out of that because we do have six weeks of stats. When we are looking at the numbers, though, you know, Tedesco has 124 break-even. He's playing the Dragons, but he hasn't hit a ton yet at all. You know, people are going to say, well, he's probably going to leak more money and he's only 650000 now. Well, I don't want to wait until he's 600000 and trade him. I understand the argument, but I, I, I just think that you can trade other guys to get to Cleary in your side. I'd rather be trading a Moses or a Dylan Brown and holding a Tedesco, for instance. That's something that I'm seeing guys doing the opposite of and trading Tedesco and holding those sort of guys. What's your t- take on the mass Teddy trade-out? Like, would you be putting him at the top of your trade-out list? Would you be trying to trade these other guys instead? Because obviously people are trying to get to Cleary. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with the trade-out Teddy um, crew. Um, I just I just haven't seen enough of him. I... He just doesn't look as comfortable. He just doesn't look as busy uh, as previous years. He's still an absolutely sort of brilliant player, but he's just not getting the ball as much. So even if he does go ballistic this week, he probably maybe sets up a couple of tries and maybe scores one. I just don't think he has that sort of 180, 190 sort of ceiling in him as easily as he has the last sort of two or three years, um, which is the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm in the sort of the sole bracket, I think. Cleary does it a lot easier. And if I can find a way to sort of get to Cleary as opposed to Teddy, I have a much more of a comfort factor playing a combination of you know, uh, Teddy and Taff as opposed, sorry, Cleary and Taff as opposed to um, you know, Ilias and and Teddy. I just like that combination a lot better. Yeah, so look, I, I get that. But people like, again, a Dylan Brown and a Moses because they're quite heavily owned at the moment. They're 100K more than what Tedesco is in value. And, you know, to me, that's an easier way to get to Cleary and you can still hold Tedesco. And Teddy's got the Dragons and the Bulldogs the next couple of games. Now, I know that the matchups haven't met a huge amount lately for the Roosters, but there's still decent matchups for him to, to come good. And at the end of the day, the Roosters probably have a better run of games than what the Eels do. So I just sort of, I just think like I'd be I'd be using the extra hundred grand that like a Dylan Brown is worth or a Moses is worth and and punting them. Yeah, I I'd be doing that too. But you got to remember, not not you probably got to have a look at the percentage of owners for Dylan Brown and Moses and think all right. So do do those guys that own sort of Moses and Brown have that have Teddy like it? I don't know what everyone's thinking, but yeah, I agree with you. I would I would be selling the eels over Teddy. Um, maybe they're just looking at form and going, "We'll just ride the form." Yeah, potentially. So I mean, look, it's it's quite a contentious decision still. I think Tedesco hasn't been playing well, uh, but he's not going to average sixty points a game for the season. Um, he's never done that really since he hasn't done it at the Roosters. So I don't think it's going to continue. Um, to me, my glass half full is that Teddy's looked. Terrible. The Roosters attack looked terrible, but it couldn't have been any worse than what it has been. And he still averaged 60 points and he still got scores of 57, 88, 64, 84 out of his six games. You know, it's not the end of the world with his scoring. Certainly, though, if you don't own like a Moses and you don't own a Brown and you want to trade Tedesco to Cleary, I, I, you know, a few weeks ago I would have talked you out of it. 
I wouldn't talk you out of it at the moment because it makes sense with how Tedesco's playing and how well Cleary's going and if that's the only way that you can get there. Um, I'm not going to talk anyone out of that. I know there's a clear-cut answer here, though, and I'm going to bank on Teddy coming good. Coming good, Billy. I'm not going to say he's going to score 180 points as he's ceiling again. Uh, I'm not even going to say he's going to score 150, but he's going to score 120 um, in the coming weeks, I reckon, um, and I'm going to hold him for it. If he doesn't, um, I'm still pretty confident he's going to up his average of 60 pretty significantly. So I'm going to ride. I don't mind. Like, again, I'm not going to talk people out of it immensely if they want to go to Cleary from him. It makes some sense. Uh, let's move along to a couple of other guys in this one of interest. Um, Sammy Walker, he scored back-to-back 80s. He's barely over 500,000 at the moment. Um, I, people are actually holding him and selling Tedesco. I've seen that as well. Um, Walker has played well the last couple of weeks and suddenly some people are looking at buying him as well. Sam Walker's going to play that round 13 buy. I understand because they've got the Dragons and the Bulldogs and Walker's looked good the last couple of weeks, but um, he's got a low break even too. At 520 odd thousand, um, I wouldn't actually be going that route myself, but you know, it, he could be a guy that sort of can average 80 the next few weeks and he might have some merit in holding on to as well. Um, I don't know if it's more merit than holding on to Teddy, uh, but other people are even buying him, I actually saw one or two teams that had no way to get to Cleary and had Sam Walker or they were looking at buying Sam Walker instead to try and counter out Cleary for the next few weeks and have him for the buy. Do you think that Sam Walker is going to continue on with his 80s that we've seen the last couple of weeks? Because he has been someone, despite the Roosters' attack, that's looked really good and he's got the Dragons this week, goal kicking against them and then the Bulldogs the next, the next fortnight. No, I don't think so. I don't know how he scored 80 the last couple of weeks. Um, I've owned him at a couple of different stages over the last couple of seasons, and he just seems to have a couple of good games out of nowhere where he'll be on like 10, 15 points and then have uh, two try assists in the last sort of five minutes, flipping those air balls over the edge or cutting through the middle and getting 30 points and kicking a goal. So he can he's the sort of guy that can score 46 points really quickly with you know, a 30.1 break try, um, a, a goal. And uh, a couple, t- a couple tackle busts in a run. So he he doesn't he doesn't create as much as you think, but he can score very quickly with the goal. Is the point I'm making? Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm I'm probably going to look. I think that you can get him at a similar price around that buy time. So he's one of those guys. I think you can wait for. So a bit of a smoky one that I'm going to mention that I'm actually looking at, but it's not a high recommendation because we just haven't seen enough from him. Uh, but Angus Crichton, second week in a row, he's named to start. Last week, he got 80 minutes starting. He didn't do hugely well with 49 points, but he was still back in his starting role, and that's the big that's the big thing. So you'd assume that if Trent Robertson put him back there and he played 80 minutes starting last week, that he's going to continue starting because he's been named this week as well, and then he's going to continue getting 80 minutes. Butcher still played last week, 37 minutes, um, took those off the bench, so going into the middle role. So... I think that Crichton is reasonably safe to continue his role, um, but obviously everyone's jumped off him, right? So only 5% of teams own him, but that actually makes him really pottish at the moment. He's now 130,000 well, less than what he was. So you can get him for about 520,000. To put that in perspective, um, if you do think that Targo has peaked, for instance, he's almost a straight swap Targo to Angus Crichton, which I think in the preseason, everybody would have done that trade, but... Now, because we really haven't seen much of Angus, um, he's sort of the back of the mind and everyone's kind of forgotten him. Playing the Dragons, hitting up this Roosters draw that's 
uh, looking quite good, even though their attack's stagnant, it's going to keep improving. Uh, so certainly you could take a punt on Angus because you know it. Sort of 500K, you know, you take that with his floor because his floor is going to be a score of 50 points. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but obviously the reality is his upside is that he could go 80 plus and continue to go back to the Angus that we know and love from past years. So I'm not going to talk about it hugely, Billy, because it's not a massive recommendation because I admit that we haven't seen enough from the Roosters. But that's one that I'm actually going to jump on now as a pod move potentially and high consideration for me. Um, to go like a Targo to an Angus Crichton because 5% ownership, a guy I'm comfortable starting every week and this week against the Dragons, possible big score. I'm going to consider that one. So it's worth mentioning with Angus because no one's talking about him and he's got very low ownership at the moment. But moving along. So um, top sport better of the week for this one. Look, Daniel Tubo is four, four out of his last five games he scored a try. Got one on the weekend again. $1.78. Fantastic odds against the Dragons. I love that one on top sport. Storm Warriors is the last one. Coates and King for the Storm. Second most traded out player because Coates has 100 plus as his break even. And King, the fifth most traded out because he's bottomed out. Billy, I don't see any um, issue with selling those guys at the moment with those break evens. Although I will say against the Warriors this week that Coates could end up bagging a double and scoring 80 plus sort of points. Um, So owners might have a little bit of regret. This might be a week where maybe it would be better to hold him and see. Uh, but I guess that people can't afford it with a hundred plus BE, and that sort of makes sense too. Yeah, he's—I I haven't owned him. He's one of the guys that you sort of death rate each week. You should know that he's either going to score twenty or sort of go over the line for a double and score eighty. Um, he just pray as a non-owner he doesn't score a treble. Um, he's on the right-hand side as opposed to the um, the left, which has been a little a little bit more ideal, given that you know. Um, the left side is more scarier. Like if you look at what Vuna Bali, um, Bali, Vula, whatever, has done over the last few years, he's more of a um, bit of a monster, but doesn't have sort of a, a higher base and revise and that sort of a clutch. And he only sort of averaged sort of 50. So um, I think this is the right time to sort of, to sort of sell him. I'm not really interested in, in holding him or marking him as a purchase any time soon. Yeah, I've been off codes most of the year. Um, If you did have him and you weren't going to sell him or you couldn't this week, um, I think that he's a pretty decent play for the week, though. He might give you a going-away present for when you're going to sell him. Uh, Munster is the fourth most traded-in player at the moment, Uh, and I I really like that one. I've spoken about Munster quite a bit, but he's an alternative too. Like, if you you wanted to wait a couple of weeks on Cleary and Munster's your alternative, you know, it's a lot easier to get a Cameron Munster because Munster's only 680,000. You know, it's a lot easier to pay 680 than what it is to 900. Um, so maybe he's a consolation prize for some people. For me, Billy, he was a definite consolation prize consideration playing this Warriors side um, down in Melbourne. He's now got scores of 96 on the weekend, 84, 33, 121, 74. So 74-plus in four out of his five games and only one dud, and he scored two tries in his last five games and was running a lot on the weekend. Um, against the Warriors this week, he looks like a really good white 680. So... If you wanted to wait a week or two for Cleary and set up and you wanted to get one gun in and trade boost for the next couple of weeks, uh, Munster looks like a pretty good cheaper consolation prize this week and I'd definitely be going that route. Yeah, I know what you're saying. The only thing that scares me um, about this week is that Warriors have generally done pretty well over the last five years um, in Melbourne. So um, I'm not saying they're going to do a repeat, but every year you say, oh, no. They won last year, but it was an anomaly. And I think they won like two or three years in a row in Melbourne and then sort of 
had a loss or a couple of losses, but they certainly put up a fight there. So I'd be a little bit sort of reluctant to chuck a C on on Papagusen this week. And um, that's the reason why I would love to have Cleary, actually. But um, yeah, so Harry Grant would be, I think, the safest sort of option uh, as, as, a C, as a C this week. But um, the way Munster's been playing, he's sort of a buy anytime. It's just a shame he doesn't keep goals, which makes that difference between you know, the elites of the sixes and the, uh, the elites of the sevens. Yeah, so he's he's currently only seven points below Pappy on averages, eighty-one points versus Pappenhausen's eighty-eight, um, and really that one ninety-three scores what what rocketed Pappenhausen's average. The last two weeks, Pappenhausen scored sixty-seven and thirty-nine, um, so certainly uh, a bit of a shaky captaincy option this week. And I think a lot of ca- a lot of captains have been burnt the last couple of weeks on Pappenhausen. So that was going to be my next question for you, Billy. You know, you wouldn't go on Pappy this week against the, the Warriors trying to get a bounce back. I mean, it has to be said, there's quite a bit of doubt that he's even going to play because his ankle is very swollen. He's been named to play, but he could be a laid out too, which teams are going to really want to really want to watch for Mayo for. Ooh, I didn't know that. <laughs> that makes it interesting. Um... His ankle is the size of a uh, tennis ball. So uh, there is that because he twisted his ankle on the weekend. So, I mean, he might even be out, and this is the last layer of this game that I'm going to mention to you. Uh, he's got 160 plus break even. Now, if you find out on Saturday that he's ruled out, do you kind of go, well, you know what? He's going to miss the Warriors game, and then they've got Newcastle away, Dragons, and then Penrith. Maybe you run a bit of roulette on this one and go, he's a straight swap pretty much to Cleary. He's not going to play this week. He's got 160 plus BE, so he's going to bleed cash for a couple of weeks. Maybe I trade him out to Cleary if you know that he's going to be ruled out um, early on sort of thing and, you know, use a Heinz down or something like that to try and facilitate it. And then you buy Pappy back in sort of a few weeks' time, you know, when he's a bit cheaper. Maybe that's a roundabout way of getting what you need and also using the Pappenhausen cash this week rather than having it on the pine. You know, it's no when, if and when that sort of late night happens, though. You don't want to wait till Sunday. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. No, it's bad that it's last game. I'll tell you what, it? that news probably really hurts people that loop this week. <laughs> Imagine looping and having two nothings. Um, that makes it a little harder, actually. The only thing I'm going to say is uh, make sure you remember to sort of put him on your bench thing. That obviously rules him out as a C option 100% for me. Um, yeah, just make sure you remember to leave him on the reserve bit on the reserve just in case there's someone else you can switch at the last minute. Yeah, there's no way I could I could look at seeing him um, under all the circumstances. Even if he plays, he's, he's going to be a little bit sore. But Billy raises a really good point to finish on, guys. You know, a lot of people are going um, Taff in and putting him at fullback for Teddy. If you do that, make sure you start Taff because you don't want to be having Pappenhausen as your starter for the last game and him ruled out and have it cop at AE. Or if you've looped, uh, cop nothing and just play with 16 players. You know, that'd be a lot worse. So make sure you consider that too. Uh Top sport better of the week to finish up on this one, Billy. You mentioned the record. Uh, and look, the Warriors have had a pretty good record, but I don't think that's going to continue. The Storm are $1.10, but minus 19.5 on top sport. If you think that the uh, the Storm are going to just smash the Warriors, I tend to think that the Warriors uh, go phenomenal enough to, to challenge the Storm. Uh, but I'm probably going to pull that in a minus 14.5 at $1.72. And I reckon that's a decent bet on topsport.com.au. Who kicks goals if Papu's out? The Munster? Would be Munster. Uh, but if Meany's in the side, um, and, you know, he is at the moment, 
uh, he's been the backup. So Meany will probably get in front of him. But, geez, it would be nice right. if uh, somehow Meany was out and then Munster could do it. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait and see what Wacko or the late male sort of comes in. As, but surely, surely you'll know at least 24 hours out. They're not, if they're not, they're not 24 hours out, they're not going to. They're not going to lead into the last minute and switch out. Surely they are. Surely they pull him out before then. Yeah, you you should know twenty four hours. So, but the problem is it's a Monday game, so you got to know on Sunday. And when you're having a look on Sunday, you know the the Panthers do play at four o'clock, so it works out just in time for you to be able to go a Pappy to Cleary. But you're going to have to potentially miss Cleary um, because you can't do your other trades. I mean. Teddy and Pappy both play the last two games. So, I mean, if you've got both those guys playing the last two games, this might be a case in point of when it's really good to wait to do your trades, although these rules now that they've changed means you can reverse them now um, because you can go, you know what, I'm going to trade Teddy to Cleary like a lot of teams are going to do. But if Pappenhausen gets ruled out this week with his break even, I'll keep Teddy, play him, and I'll trade Pappenhausen to Cleary. And because those guys are involved in the last three games, you should know and be able to sort of do that and juggle it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I think I've got a bit of thinking to do, mate. <laughs> and like Mal Watson. I think we all got a bit of thinking to do because at this point in the season, it becomes very hard. And if, if people are saying, you know, Barnsley, you didn't give a straight answer on this one or that one, it's because half of these trades, guys, at this point, there's no straight answers. You can just look at all the information and then try and decide which narrative you think's going to definitely going to come up or not. Um, and that's sort of how it goes. And a lot of the time, there is no yes or no answer. It's all a bit grey. That is Super Coach. That is TLT for round seven. Billy, thank you for jumping aboard again. It was great to have you after a few weeks. Yeah, it's good to be you in head to head last week. I mean, you know what <laughs> 20 bloody points yeah thanks mate we'll get you next time alright guys if you want to listen to the show make sure that you download or stream on SoundCloud iTunes Amazon Audible or Spotify and make sure that you jump on the sponsor of the podcast topsport.com.au fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast that if you use promo code SC All-Stars we'll know that you're one of our listeners so go and open the account with that promo code today and later in the week, guys, we'll have the Talk and Footy podcast as normal next week back for TLT Supercoach. In the meantime, good luck with your trades. It's getting harder and harder by the week. It's a really big week of matchups this week. Look forward to chatting to you again about all the Supercoach stuff that goes down for round seven next week on Tuesday. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.